0: Okay, Today's title is Don't Conform, Be Transformed. You've only got four words to remember. Hi, if you're watching online. Um, these words come straight from a passage in the Bible that we're going to be reading today. But I wonder, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just start fully conforming to like, the situation around you? Um, when I was a teenager, one of my best mates moved over to Australia. And uh, you can imagine, like we were both absolutely devastated. And uh, to make it all a little bit more palatable, uh, my parents agreed that I could go on my own as an unaccompanied minor to Australia for a month during school time whilst I was studying for my GCSEs. It was amazing and um, mainly because I got to see my mate um, but also because I was totally obsessed with Neighbours and um, you know the, the sitcom and I just thought Australian people were way cooler than I was and so I get there and I just fully immersed myself. I put on their school uniform and I went to school in Australia. I took my lunch in a brown paper bag because that's what they did on the TV. And we had barbecues on the beach, and uh, within a few days, I had adopted an Australian accent. And um, I would call my mum and dad, i be like, g'day, guys, g'day, mum, g'day, dad, and, you know, having a great time over here in Oz, amazing life, had a barbie on the beach, you know. And um, clearly, the accent's actually pretty good. What do you think? Probably offended every Australian in the room. But what had happened is I had immersed myself so much in Australian culture that I just fully conformed to what was going on. And I wonder, like, do you find yourself conforming to the culture around you? I love this analogy that I heard recently. You've got these two young fish, and they're, they're swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish who nods at them and says, morning, guys. How's the water? And the fish swim along. And eventually, one of those little fish turns to the other one and says, what on earth's Water? it can be so easy to find ourselves conforming to what's going on around us without even realizing it. And so it's no surprise that this book uh, has a lot to say about this because the culture that we live in and the stuff that we value can sometimes so directly conflict with what's in this book, the Bible. We can sometimes find ourselves being conformed to, to attitudes, to values, to behaviors that so go against the ways of Jesus. But we are called to be transformed so that we look more and more like Jesus. Don't conform, be transformed. Okay, we're in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good good. Pleasing and perfect will. So we're gonna spend most of our time sort of zoomed in on verse two this morning, but we have to look at verse one because the two of them are connected. And it starts off, it kicks off by talking about giving our whole lives to worship God. The message paraphrase puts it like this: So here's what I want you to do: God helping you, take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love that, giving our everyday, ordinary lives to God. You see, the picture here of worship and the picture that we see throughout the scriptures is an all-in, a whole-self kind of surrender. You know, if we're here on Sunday and our hands raised and our eyes closed singing, you're worthy of it all, but then our lives don't match up. Our words are shallow and so is our worship. You see, if he really is worthy of it all, then every part of our lives needs to be an offering to him. Let me help explain it. So it's worship when I start my day in God's presence, giving him my agenda and my days, rather than scrolling through Instagram. It's worship when I'm driving in my car and I choose patience rather than road rage. It's worship when I decide to invest in my health and go for a swim. It's worship when I'm encouraging and building others up. It's worship when I stop and chat to somebody who's lonely. It's worship when I'm generous with my money. You get it? It's, a, it's an all-in, a whole-self offering before God. Total surrender. So I wonder how, we, how do we do that? Well, I think verse 2 gives us the answers because it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So back to our four words, don't conform, be transformed. We're going to break this down because firstly, Paul says, don't conform. The message puts it like this. And I love it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you just fit into it without even thinking. That was exactly what happened to me when I was in Australia. But I'm still working on it, not necessarily sorted yet. Just the other week, I was in youth small group, and all the phones were away until this app, Be Real, pinged off. Suddenly, they've all got their phones out, and I'm like, what even is this, a cyber cafe? And they're just looking at me. And then I just got my phone out and joined them. How do your attitudes Values, behaviors change depending on who you're around. You see, in the New Testament, to, to, to conform to this world is whenever we're pulled away from Jesus or made to look less like him. You know, think about it, like Jesus, he just didn't conform to the culture around him, did it? I, I love the way Jordan Seng put it the other week. He said Jesus was just so inappropriate in the best sense of that word. You know, he loved those who society had rejected and saw as unlovable, treating them with kindness, dignity, generosity. He was fearless in the way he stood up for the oppressed. He challenged those who used their own power for their good. He was humble. You know, he championed this life of self-denial, even being obedient to death on a cross. And so the more I read this book, the more I look at it and I kind of get it inside me, the more I see the ways of Jesus jarring with the culture around us. So I guess the question is, well, what are some of the markers of the culture that don't line up with what's in this book? Well, you can probably think of many. Today, I just want to briefly highlight three. The first one being status. How important to you is your social status, or maybe like your street cred? I think you can start in school with an obsession of getting the the best grades, getting into the best uni, but it doesn't seem to slow down with adulthood, does it? You know, we can find ourselves chasing after the, I don't know, the next promotion or the big house or the shiny car. Why do we do that? Because those things are success markers in our culture. And I'm not saying that any of those things are necessarily bad in themselves. But if deep down, deep inside of us, we are measuring success or status by them, then we're conforming to the patterns of this world. A friend of mine was upgrading their phone the other week, and they were trying to decide, should I get the iPhone 14 or the iPhone 14 Pro? Now, the 14 Pro is a little bit better. It's got a better camera or something, a bit better. It's definitely more expensive. And um, they decided to go for the iPhone Pro. Why? Because they knew that it would give more credibility to them with their son. And it absolutely worked. Their son was loving it. Funny little story, but... But status is so, so woven into our culture, and it's not getting any better. Um, A study found in 2019 found this. This is fascinating. One in five teenagers, when they were asked what they want to be when they grow up, they said an influencer. If you don't know what an influencer is, it's somebody who has a large following on social media or YouTube, something like that, and they use their influence to change opinions and attitudes. And if you say, well, they're just online, do they have that much influence? Just ask any parent who's been trying to get their hands on Prime, the Prime drink in the last couple of months. Yeah, I feel your pain. Never tried it myself. But what does Jesus have to say about status? This is what he says in Luke 9. See how different it is to what's going on in our culture. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? and yet forfeit their very soul. Goes on to talk about the last will be first, the first will be last. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Can you see the patterns of the culture? They, they so contradict the Jesus way. And so I wonder today, are we so adjusted to our culture that we're just like those little fish, saying, what's water? Second challenge, individualism or self. Um, who's seen frozen? Yeah, some of you, let it go, let it go. You know, great song. I love that song. Sorry, it's now in your head for the rest of the day. But think about the lyrics. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Those lyrics, they kind of sum sum up where where we are at with culture. You know, a friend of mine was asking a young person just the other week, and they're about their opinion on something. What they said really struck him. They said... I don't really know the Bible or theology. I just know what I think. It's a great example of what I'm trying to get at here. And this stuff is really complex and we could spend weeks talking about it. But to summarize, think about these phrases. You ever heard this one? You do you. A young person literally said that to me this week. You do you, Susie, fine. Uh, Speak your truth. Just do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Whether we like it or not, a big part of culture pushes back against authority and tradition and even previously accepted norms and prioritizes individual freedom and individual expression. And not all of those, everything about those things are wrong, but the challenge comes when we pick up this book and we see how different it is. You see, Jesus didn't say, when I read the scriptures, he didn't say, Susie, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Imagine if he did, we'd be in trouble. No, he said, he said, I, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You see, the biblical narrative is one in which we don't get to define the truth. And if anything, often the truth of the gospel, it confronts us in the way that we might perceive the world. Marcus of this culture, status, self, and the final one I want to look at before we talk about how we get transformed is online consumption. Put another way, digital addiction. Okay, how long do you think the average person spends across media platforms and different devices per day? Quite a lot. Well, apparently, the average screen time of users aged 16 to 64 is six hours and 37 minutes. You might seem shocked by that, It's not just a Generation Z situation. According to one study in 2022, UK adults spend five hours a day using screens that aren't work-related. If anybody in this room feels judged or a bit nervous, you know, if somebody was to take a look at my phone and scroll through all the internet history, I'd have absolutely no problem. But if you started looking at all my different apps and how much time I spend on my phone, I would be embarrassed. And so this week, I looked this morning, five hours 29 okay a lot of that's work whatsapp that kind of thing however it's not brilliant it's not brilliant if you cannot imagine life without your phone social media spotify youtube amazon whatever else it's safe to say it's having an influence on you and i'm not trying to paint a picture that everything about digital consumption is bad have you watched race around the world i mean I won't tell, Shall I tell you? No, I won't tell you. He wins, obviously. <laughs> Amazing. Watch it if you haven't. But we've got to acknowledge the more time we spend doing something, the more it is influencing us. And in some cases, it's damaging our minds. For example, some experts outside of the church, they are now recognizing there is a connection between prolonged social media usage and poor mental health. According to the Financial Times, the percentage of young girls who self-harm it increases significantly when they spend over two hours on social media, which most of them are doing. And so for me, whilst I've never self-harmed, I can relate to this. I remember uh, during COVID, I was living on my own, I was feeling quite isolated, and I find myself sometimes scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through, and I'd be looking at everybody else's life thinking, wow, my life's rubbish, and yours is just amazing. It just looks so fun, you're all hanging out together. And it would leave me just feeling like down. The sad reality Is that they probably weren't having any more fun they just took one second photo where it looked like they had the perfect family life i was conforming to the patterns of this world and it didn't lead me anywhere good so where have these things left us self status digital consumption i think they're just a few of the markers of our culture as i say we could go on and mention more but cultural values are all around us. They're in the water in which we're swimming. They're in our workplaces, our schools, some in our homes, present in our church, in our mindset, and they're forming us. They're forming us. And if we're not intentional about it, we're going to end up conform to the patterns of this world where we value status over service, self over others, and consumption over contribution. And I don't think it's a total coincidence that our society's in a lot of pain. You know, loneliness, self-harm, mental health, those stats are off the record. Anybody feeling depressed? But there's hope. There's hope. Like, there's hope for you, there's hope for me, and there's hope for the world, because the amazing thing about this passage is it doesn't leave us in the challenge. It doesn't just say, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. It says, but, a massive but in there, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. So what does Paul mean by that? Well, in short, he's talking about our mindset, our perspective, our worldview, what are good or bad decisions to make, the framework for what we deem as valuable or purposeful in this life. Paul is talking about an inner transformation, an inner transformation that works its way into action. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, I'm no brain expert, as you can probably tell, but I do know that different parts of the brain, they deal with different areas of our lives. And so if we're thinking we've got an old school flip chart going on here, just wheel this in, there we go. If we think here, just flip this over, what we've got here is a healthy brain. Okay, a healthy mind. This is a transformed mind. If we want to have a transformed mind, how do we get there? I think there's a few things we want to think about. The first one is this. My writing got a bit criticized at the first service, so I'm going better this time. Focus your mind on Jesus. Focus your mind on Jesus. This is number one. Let's give it a little arrow to a healthy mind. Listen to Paul in Corinthians, he says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And although Paul is talking about us being transformed in our minds, it's not something that he suggests that we do on our own. We aren't transformed just by our own efforts. It's firstly a work of the Holy Spirit that he does in us, but we can play our part. We can posture our minds and our hearts focused on him. Focus your minds on Jesus. Some time ago, I was, um, I was, I was struggling with some self-image stuff. And it was affecting me personally, and it was affecting me as a leader. And it was especially bad when I was standing on stages like this. And my mind was just filled with a whole bunch of narratives. You know, like, you're not good enough, you're not sorted enough, who do you think you are? you all these insecurities. And what was going on was I was gripped by shame. And at times, honestly, it was, like, internally paralysing. And um, I got to the point where I was like, this is just, something's got to shift. And so I got some friends of mine to pray for me. And um, I I shared where I was at. I I talked out probably for like half an hour, I don't know. And I'll never forget one of my friends saying to me, looked me straight in the eye and he said to me, Suze, we hear you. We hear you, we love you. But most of what you are thinking in your mind and what is coming out of your mouth right now is absolutely not true. It's lies. You're being deceived. You see, what was happening is my mind was being conformed to the patterns of this world. You need to be, you need to look a certain way. And as they started to speak truth, and as they started to pray for me, it was literally like God was rewiring my mind. And of course, you might have noticed I'm not necessarily sorted yet, but I'm learning to to, to run to him with my stuff and allow him to renew my mind. So if you want a healthy mind, if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Where do you need your mind renewing? And are you gonna run to him? Okay, number two, where should we put it here? Number two is know the big story. Know the big, oops, big story. Put the arrow in, okay, that's number two. Let's go back to Philippians. Paul is saying this, description of Jesus. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset. As Christ Jesus we're encouraged to have the same mindset and Paul goes in in that passage he goes on to talk about Jesus life his death resurrection the ascension if we want to be transformed we need to know and immerse ourselves in this book we need to immerse ourselves in his story because the story of the culture let me just put these two things up against each other the story of the culture is this you will find life happiness and pleasure through pursuing your dreams, your achievements, the stuff you have, regardless of anybody else. But the story of the kingdom, his story, it directly contradicts it. It's die to yourself. It's lay down your life, your dreams, your agenda, and follow him. And what happens when you do that? You find life in all its fullness. Can you see how different those two things are? Don't conform be transformed so can i ask you this how well are you immersed in this book and what would a lean in look like for you number three we doing okay yeah very attentive today loving this number three not the best sentence but be church communicates what we need to communicate be church okay we're in the same passage in philippians listen to this directions to the church therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with christ then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Fascinating. You know, we are called not just to attend church, but to be the church to be the church and as the community of Jesus, we are to have the same mind. The mind of Jesus himself through coming together, loving one another, we're journeying together as the spirit transforms us. Can you see how different that is to what's going on with individualism? You know, we're not called to be isolated Christians doing our own little thing, but a community of Jesus followers. That's what I experienced that night when those friends were praying for me, when they stayed up late into the night. I wasn't in it alone. I experienced them being church to me. Don't conform, be transformed. And I think digital addiction that I mentioned is interesting when it comes to this, when it comes to thinking about community, because maybe one of the reasons that we scroll and we scroll and we shop and we shop and we look at this and we look at this football or whatever, until we fall asleep, some of us, is because we are looking for acceptance, to be heard, to have a supportive community, to have meaning, ultimately, to be loved. All of those things can be and should be found in the church. We are called to be the body, to be the church. So how are you doing? How are you doing with being church? If you're sat here as an attender, we love it that you're here. Can I encourage you this? Lean in, take a step to lean in, maybe find a small group, join a team, not just for what you can get out of it, but what can you give? If you're sat here and you're fully plugged in, who is the Lord prompting you this week to serve? Okay, if we want a healthy mind, let's go. Number four is this one, fill your mind with good things. Okay, fill your mind. Fill your mind with good. Once I got um, entered into a handwriting competition, but it seems my skills have slipped. Fill your mind with good things. Okay. That's genuinely true. Okay. Paul says in Philippians, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We need to focus our minds on those things because what we are filling our minds with through the things we're looking at, the relationships we're in, through what we're consuming can affect us. Um, A few Christmas, well, when I was five, a lot of Christmases ago, um, my brother was watching Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And um, it was before my parents had got up, and I was absolutely terrified. That film is horrible. And um, I was behind the sofa, literally like this, you know, doing that thing where you try not to look, but blatantly I was looking, and it ended up with me screaming my eyes out, screaming and screaming. And my dad came down, and he had a massive go at my brother and uh, who has always held it against me and he even had the audacity a few years back to wrap up a DVD of the film and with a little tag on it saying I hope your sofa is big enough and um, I just threw it back in his face and I've never watched it I've never watched that film because I was so traumatized and if I did watch it now it's probably actually not that bad but you get the point you know what we watch and what we consume it has an impact on us and it can be super damaging to our minds. And I don't think the solution is necessarily just to say, well, I'm never watching anything over you or I have to come off social media, although a detox might help. But I think it's worth asking the question, if you want to have a healthy mind, and let's be honest, lots of us do, what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your mind with? And it's not just about emptying your mind of the bad stuff, being like, I'm not going to think about that, I'm not going to think about that, I'm not going to think about that. it's about filling our minds with the good stuff. Imagine it like this, you, you've got a TV, and the TV's just always on, but in your hand is the remote control, so you can choose to zone into the anxiety choosing channels. You can choose to just watch that all day, or you can choose to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fill my mind with something else and flick and change the channel. That is what happened to me last night. I woke up at 4.28 a.m., and um, the birds were singing, and I was not, and I was honestly... Nothing to do with this, but I was concerned about something and it was worrying essentially. It was going round and around in my mind. And I thought, either I'm going to stay awake and I'm going to get to this preach and I'm going to be on one, just exhausted, or God, I'm going to fill my mind with good things. And so I chose in that moment to say, God, you are faithful. God, you are good. God, you're in control. God, you cast out all fear. And what happened? I slept brilliantly. Are there any changes you need to make? Maybe review what you're watching maybe unfollow some people, maybe put some screen limits on, maybe put some boundaries in around online shopping. Finally, we're getting there. If we want to have a healthy mind, we have got to be people who pray. As Paul got to say, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And What happens? The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's presence is with us 24-7, and I wonder how often we forget that. You know, when we're feeling anxious or concerned, how often do we run to pray? How often do we run to our phones or whatever else it is? When it comes to renewing our minds, prayer is a weapon. It's a weapon, a tool to being transformed. We've got to be prayers, people of prayer. Don't conform. Be transformed. Some of the markers of our culture, their status, their self, their consumption, and ultimately they can lead us to unhealthy places. But Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Focus your mind on Jesus. Know the big story. Be church. Fill your mind with good stuff. And let's be people of prayer. You know, I honestly believe, and as I've been preparing this, that there is a battle over our minds. There's a battle over our minds, and we have an enemy who loves messing with our minds, deceiving us, keeping us trapped in unhealthy patterns, thought patterns, behaviors, keeping us insecure, and we've got to wake up to it. Many of us are being conformed to the patterns of this world without even realizing it. And God just has such a better way, such a better way. He says, don't don't do that. It's not going to lead anywhere good, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds.